This is a podcast that is about being a fixer in relationships. And I'm going to put a little bit of a, a disclaimer at the front because maybe some of the things that I discuss in this podcast potentially could be triggers for some individuals as you're listening to this. So I'm just making you aware that perhaps some of the topics I discuss may be sensitive. They may bring back um, perhaps memories of trauma. Maybe there are issues that you still haven't resolved. So I'm just going to put that out there that if that is the case, please go and seek some advice and please go and seek some help. Don't be suffering on your own. Um, One of the main reasons of me doing this particular topic is because it's one of those topics that I guess not many people talk about and it's one of those that's very undisclosed. However, you do recognise it in other individuals once you've gone through it and experienced it yourself. So what do I mean by being a fixer? Well, in some relationships, uh, whether they're through your teenage years, your adulthood years, um, you have this title, I guess, of being called a fixer. And a fixer can be somebody that might feel deeply responsible for their other person's emotional stability and they're trying to please that other individual okay i'll go on to explaining this in a little while in more depth it might be that they're trying to ensure that that person remains calm and at ease and loving and caring although their emotional um dependency on that person might be quite traumatic actually you know and sometimes the other individual might be the enabler and the codependent person that actually enjoys seeing the other individual in a fixer role for various reasons which I'm going to go into in some depth. Sometimes you might be a fixer because you can't bear to see that loved person or the one that you're in a relationship with. Now when I say relationship it could be that it's a mother and child relationship, father and child, it could be a sibling relationship it could be a relationship where it's a physical and intimate one. So being a fixer doesn't necessarily, you know, uh, label you in one specific particular category. It can be various categories. Okay, so that's just something that I personally think we need to just clarify. All right. And there are times when the fixer sometimes is the person that I guess um, some individuals see them as like a Superman, Superwoman, Batman sort of role. You know, the hero, because they are... Uh, the person that's that's there to solve the problems and give solutions and to show that they care and they're showing that they're giving some sort of relief, you know. Uh, Sometimes they're also labelled as being like the giver, I guess, in the relationship in the sense that they're the ones putting in maybe 1,010% whilst the other individual maybe is only putting in 10%, okay. And all of these various different things happen for various reasons. Now, most studies recently show that fixers have this um, need to be like that in some relationships because of their own psychological trauma, which we'll discuss in a bit more depth. But let me just give you some examples of some fixers, you know, some scenarios, so you get a bit of an idea. So, for example, um, you could be in a relationship status, maybe you're a parent-child relationship status, where you're seeing your child um, struggle financially, Okay, they might be in a good job, they might be dependent, might have their own property, but they're struggling um, to pay bills. Okay, it could be that they have not paid bills on time, Um, they might have spent the money on particular, you know, maybe uh, the wrong item, the wrong things. For example, they might have spent it on clothes, on fashion, on makeup, 
um, maybe on gym equipment, maybe on specific things like going out. And really they've missed, you know, the whole idea of uh, they need to be responsible and being a grown up. And there are times when parents are enablers in a sense where they feel the necessary duty because it's their child. Of course they do. They don't want them to suffer. They don't want them to um, be in a situation or predicament where they can't pay their way and they're thrown out of their house. Understandably, parents, um, you know, jump in and help out. But not everybody's in that particular predicament. But sometimes it can get to the point where that particular child can manipulate that situation as well. Okay. And that's where the codependency comes from and the enabling comes from. So the child um, or adult, whoever you want to call it, might take advantage of that scenario and prolong the fixer within the parent. Okay. And they end up having this codependency that, you know, no matter where they get to in life, um, they're still relying on their parents to resolve all issues. Now, I know people where they've unfortunately ended up in a scenario where they divorced, they've suffered mental abuse, uh, psychological abuse, unfortunately, in some cases, uh, sexual abuse as well. And, you know, they have, they have you know, had counselling, they have had CBT, they have had therapy, uh, they've gone through the court process, but unfortunately, they're still unable to move forward, you know, from the past. And they are in a situation where their parents are the fixers in their own uh, particular scenario. So, you know, it gets to a point where the parents, for example, take on the whole responsibility of raising the other individual's child, for example. It could be that they've housed them. It could be that they're taking over financial aspects of that person's um, whole entire living uh, scenario and the other individual doesn't really care you know whilst the other person is moving on and quite happily able to sort of um, be codependent on them then you have other scenarios as well you know that's one particular scenario you have other scenarios as well where perhaps in that uh, relationship or friendship you know you might have a friend that even though you're financially less well off and you're not able to support yourself financially you feel sorry for the individual. Maybe they don't have the same education background as you. Maybe they don't have the same socioeconomic background as you, but you're friends. So for example, if you're going out for a meal or something like that, you feel um, you know, bound to pay for that particular individual. And you know, you could have a choice to do things in a slightly different option, but you choose to um continue. Um, showing kindness to that person. No one's saying you shouldn't show kindness, obviously. But sometimes we don't. What you don't realize you end up doing is you end up being in a scenario where you end up um, throwing money at that person to fix their situation. So, for example, uh, giving them rent money, and we're talking maybe hundreds and hundreds of pounds or dollars, whichever currency you're obviously dealing with, and it might be money that you have saved for certain occasions. And initially, when you're giving the funds, you think that you're helping that individual out, which is fine. That's what friends do. However, it gets to a point where the other individual co-depends upon you giving that funds, you know, and you also see it as your duty. You see it as something that you need to help that individual with. Um, it could be that you are helping them get their car fixed, their house fixed, something where you are trying to fix that individual. Okay. And the thing is with fixers that we'll do certain particular scenarios 
that we wouldn't necessarily do for ourselves. And that's the bit that is a bit concerning, right? Sometimes you don't realise that you, you've got all good intentions, you know, you're doing it from the heart, but what you don't realise is that you become part of the problem as well, not necessarily the solution, okay? So there are times when you go above and beyond um, that scenario. Another situation can be that, um, you know, there are people that I'm well aware of that I've known in my past as well that have had eating disorders, you know, and uh, part of being a fixer is that you're trying to understand their particular situation with their eating disorders. Maybe you're trying to help them get counselling, maybe you're trying to help them um, to remove some of the barriers that they face that, are, you know, that are making them have these particular um, anxiety issues and eating disorders and you're trying to help them. Sometimes, you know, some individuals overcompensate and um, do particular scenarios where they want to be the person that's in charge as well. There's almost like an ego part of them that takes takes over. And the self-esteem grows a little bit as well. And this is one of the reasons why fixers like this particular predicament. Sometimes they won't admit it. They won't necessarily see what they're doing as being a fixer. But that's exactly what they're doing. Okay. And they don't necessarily see that um, they are causing more harm than good. I've known of individuals that have had, um, back in the UK who have had, um, you know, huge, huge drinking issues. Same with um, some individuals and friends I've known in America too. They have huge, um, you know, issues with alcohol dependency. And at the core of that are various other issues, obviously, which they've not addressed. And the alcohol is just one particular trigger, you know. And some fixers will go out their way to uh, either ensure that person either comes off the alcohol or uses a different substance or a different different abusive substance, substance sorry, to try and help them get off the bandwagon, so to speak. But it doesn't always work like that. And, you know, fixers don't realise what they're necessarily doing. You can have other scenarios too, where within a friendship, you know, um, you find that you are doing things that the other person is struggling with and you can't do it for yourself but you'll do it for the other individual and by that I mean you know you know you might have your own self-esteem issues your own um, self-worth issues and it f makes you feel good you know a lot of individuals that are fixers also have quite a lot of their own trauma some of them do come from scenarios where they have been abused whether it's sexually physically mentally Okay, there, there is research out there. You can go and look it up yourself. And unfortunately, they end up in scenarios where the fixer in the relationship has this sort of dependency. Um, I can give you one particular scenario where previously I was struggling with some um, work issues and I was having some stress counselling myself at my, um, through my employer. And I really struggled at that period of time in my life where, uh, to actually even physically go to the actual stress counselling um, courses and you know the the actual medical help or mental health uh, wasn't available to everybody what you had to do was go through the stress counselling initially first and then at some point when you'd passed certain courses then you were able to get the mental health that you needed and there was a long obviously 
waiting list within the United Kingdom. And I'm sure that waiting list is increased with what's going on in the world at the moment. You know, anyway, what um, was um, helpful to me initially um, became a burden afterwards because the friend um, that was trying to help me, I realized she was a fixer herself, you know, and her intentions initially were good and they were honorable, but they got to the point where I felt very, very claustrophobic because of her actions and because of her neediness and because of her own issues. Um, my friend had sadly lost her business. I was also in a particular predicament where I'm thinking, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do career-wise? And I'm sure a lot of us can relate to that, where we have like that mental breakthrough or breakdown. And we're trying to wonder, you know, what what's the next steps? I'm not happy in this particular job. What am I going to do? You know, and um, she had kindly at that time volunteered to take me to these courses that were in the middle of the city centre in a communal building that everybody could get to. And I found it really, really kind that initially she was offering me a lift. I had a car, I was able to drive myself, but the point was I physically wasn't able to because it, I was getting anxiety from just even the thought of going to this particular place for counselling. And, you know, as I said, um, I was very appreciative of the fact that she gave up her time, she gave up um, her energy to take me there and bring me home. She didn't have to do that. And we had a type of relationship where it was reciprocal initially. And then it got to the point where, you know, I was going and having um, my counselling sessions eventually. And she wanted to fix everything about that and wanted to know everything about what I discussed. And it was very, very claustrophobic relationship, you know, eventually towards the end. And sadly, that friendship had to end because she couldn't address her own issues, which obviously I tried to help her with and vice versa. Um, I had tried to reciprocate and I'd helped her when her business had obviously collapsed as well. But she didn't see it like that, you know. And unfortunately, when she realised that I knew that she was, you know, too codependent, too claustrophobic, too in my face, I had to back off. And sometimes fixers don't realise um, the sole dependency that they have on the other person. And it gets to the point where you are in, in a very unhealthy friendship, unhealthy relationship, you know. And sometimes you do have to take a stand and say to the other person, that unfortunately this is not helping me. It's not helping me move forward. It's not helping me to grow. It's not helping me to become independent and be a healthy-minded person again, you know? And sometimes fixers don't see that they're doing something that is sometimes unhelpful. And as I said, you know, those healthy relationships, sometimes it's a, it's a two-way street, but that mutual balance goes because one is more dependent upon the other. And don't get me wrong, in our friendships, in our relationships, there are times when we do need to rely on our friendships a little bit more. Sometimes we need extra support because life, you know, happens, crisis happens, people lose their jobs, people die, uh, trauma happens. We, we don't know, do we? Each day we have different things that happen. But the, the point is that sometimes these fixer relationships can go to a whole new different dimension that we didn't see coming. And that's where it gets sadly unhealthy, you know. And sometimes there's like a bit of a ugly side, I guess, to being a fixer because we don't see it. 
And the main thing is that whilst we're going around fixing other people, fixing the problems in their lives and fixing their self-esteem and confidence is giving us a kick. And it's giving us a kick in our ego and our self-esteem and our self-worth, but only on a small, minute scale. And we're not actually onerous about it. We're not actually honest about it because the reality is that while ever we're focused on someone else and focusing on their issues and their problems, we don't really look at our own real motives as to why we're doing it. So let's just look at, you know, those particular patterns of behavior, as they call it in CBT, in cognitive behavioral therapy. You know, are we trying our best to fix these problems with the other individual because we, we feel some sort of gratification out of it? Do we feel a kick out of it? Do we, do we do it because we feel that we want that dependency and we want that ego uh, and id in, within us to be healed and to be worthy? You know, because obviously we have got self-esteem issues, which is part of the reason we're doing it. You know, is this a pattern of you're brought up to think that, you know, because you've been conditioned perhaps in your family roots, that if you don't behave in this particular way, that you're not uh, acceptable within the community? Is it because, you know, you feel responsible for things that you don't have control over in your own life? Think about that. So you don't have control in your own life. However, it's easier for you to control others. And this is where the id, ego and the power, I guess, comes in. Okay. And that control and the emotions comes in. While ever you're a fixer and you are helping other people, you are in control. And there is that sense of power within you. You know, do you take responsibility for that other individual, but yet you can't take control for yourself? That's another issue, you know, that a fixer has. Okay. It might be that they, like I've said to you, some of the deep, 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 deep um, seated and heated issues are that unfortunately some of the individuals do have past trauma. And, you know, and the fixer is one of those people that unfortunately will throw everything into that relationship to try and empower themselves and to try and feel that they are somebody that's helping when in fact sometimes they're hindering that relationship and especially the relationship with themselves you know um sometimes you don't see it too sometimes the the fixer is so blind in what they're doing they don't realize that they're pouring their own energy into the wrong individual you know and that individual sometimes really doesn't want to have help so if i give you the scenario of the individual that has alcohol issues for example you know if they've got dependency on alcohol or any other addictions such as drug addictions which is a huge thing these days you know sometimes those individuals really don't want to get out of that scenario that they're in but the fixer will persist and will continue and will badger and their heart you know as i said sometimes is in the right place they want to help that person, but actually they're coming from an angle of being extremely needy. You know, you need me to fix you, for example. You need me to help you. You need me. And that's where it comes from. You know, that neediness in them, it's almost like um, a self-destroying mechanism. And sometimes we can't empower ourselves to stop fixing. We don't see ourselves as meddling. We see ourselves as trying to help the individual, but actually we're not. And that's where it gets toxic, you know? It really does get toxic. And there are tendencies that, you know, unfortunately, it's very hard to move forward from. Um, 
some of the scenarios I've already said to you, it starts with yourself. When you move past this whole concept of fixing other people, um, you really have to take the lens off the other individual and put the lens on you. And to quote Michael Jackson's lyrics, you know, start with the man in the mirror. Okay, start with you, start with yourself. And sometimes you'll find that is the hardest thing to do, to fix yourself. You know, because we're very good at helping other people. We're very good at putting the energy into other people. But we don't necessarily think that we deserve that same love, compassion and self-worth and respect. We don't. We don't. We very easily put it into other individuals, but not necessarily ourselves. And, you know, when we start pe peeling off the layers a bit like an onion and you start look at the concepts within ourselves and suddenly sometimes it'll be like um, an epiphany that will happen to you and sometimes it won't be. There'll be individuals that will continue to be fixers in their life, you know, and there are under other individuals that will actually invest in their own mental health and their own physical, spiritual and their own, you know, well-being, whichever way you want to look at it. But that journey of doing that themselves is extremely hard. You know, it's not something you can give up overnight because it become, being a fixer almost becomes like an addiction as well, you know. And, it, and it's hard to move past that sort of enabling behaviour and it's hard and painful to sort of accept that you also have an issue and that you also have problems that you need to address. And they're not going to be fixed overnight, you know, understandably. Sometimes these fixer relationships are so painful that you have to move past them as well and you have to say goodbye. You know, and that's what I did with one of my one of my friends that I talked about. Like I said, there are times when you sometimes for that person it's extremely hard to let go of the fixer relationship they've had they've had because it it throws a light on their own personal life that they're lonely. Maybe they feel empty, maybe they feel worthless, maybe they feel, you know, not important. But like I said, it's only when you start addressing those issues within, within yourself. Well, why am I behaving like that? Why am I acting like that? Why am I doing all these particular things that I wouldn't necessarily do for myself? And what can I do to change that? What can I do to give myself hope? And what can I do to give myself healthy boundaries? You know, and those are things that are in time that we have to learn by getting rid of uh, some of the older aspects that we've sort of taught ourselves that it's okay to be a fixer and it's okay to be like that. And like I said, it's not easy to empower yourself to move forward. It's not. It's not easy to say, actually, this type of behavior doesn't resonate in me anymore and I need to move forward from that. And fixing yourself, so to speak, and fixing your issues and seeking help and counselling is, you know, is the first step. But sometimes just even looking in the mirror and saying to yourself you've got an issue and accepting it and moving forward from it is a big thing. And that's where some individuals have the first hurdle, you know. And over time, it does get better. It does alleviate itself. And sometimes when you are about to go and do something like help someone again, you do sort of question yourself and think, what are my motives, you know? And I appreciate there'll be some people listening to this thinking, um, it's not wrong to help others. Of course it's not. But there are times when that relationship, if you're a fixer, 
you know, you won't see that pattern. You won't recognize that pattern until some of the, some of the things that I've discussed will ring alarm bells to you, you know? And um, some relationships where you're a fixer, it can be devastating, absolutely devastating when that individual goes or you leave them, you know, because you have to start again, you know? So there are various issues, there are various aspects to this topic it's not just something that can be resolved over overnight so to speak you know but you have to look at that you have to look at your issues and you have to look at why you are a fixer in those relationships and you have to work on what it is with you that you feel is broken you know because the person that really you're hurting is yourself you know while ever you're investing in another individual in another soul 1,010%, you're not actually helping yourself, okay? So sometimes we have to really look at our own issues and our own situations and think, why um, have I been doing this particular behavior? What is it that I need to do to address it and change? And it can change over time, and it's, it certainly can be for the better. If you are someone that's listening to this and, you know, some of the issues that I've raised, whether it's through alcohol abuse or drug abuse or various other mental health topics that I've discussed, please go and seek help, you know, please go and seek help because, you know, being a fixer doesn't happen overnight. Like I said, there are things that happen to us in our younger years, in our middle years, in our adult years, unfortunately, that trigger trauma and trigger us into being a fixer. And there are times when, say, for example, you might be the parent that I talked about where you're enabling uh, that behavior within a child because you think you're doing the right thing, okay? There are still things you can do to address that and to try and help um, the adult person, you know, gain some sort of respect and sort of come out of fixing mode and come out of enabling mode, all right? Please make sure that you do seek help and you do seek advice from a professional, um, I appreciate in these times of COVID, it's not so easy to do that. I appreciate that. It could be that you talk to a friend, you know, maybe a friend doesn't recognize um, what's happening to you because you suddenly realized it yourself. Go and seek advice, go and seek counsel and try and help yourselves to move out of being a fixer, you know, and don't put other people before yourself. You know, there are times when we do it, like I said, out of kindness, but we have to sort of put ourselves forward and look at our own issues. And sometimes it is extremely difficult to take the plaster off the surface, to take the mask off, you know, because there are times when we're being one particular personality trait when in fact we're not, we're actually traumatized and we're actually struggling and we're actually not happy in ourselves and not happy in our skin, not happy in our self-being, not happy in our lives. And that's also some of the reasons why we do the fixing, yeah? So please make sure you go and seek some help. I'm sure we're going to have other discussions on similar topics like this um, at another time. But for now, that's all, folks. Please make sure you get help. If I've triggered anything without meaning to, please go out there and get some help. Don't be suffering on your own. Thanks for, for listening. Take care. Look after your mental health, guys. Bye for now.